Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Green Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Billiken win! Billiken win! Now, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome to the show. It is college football playoff selection day. And at 11 o'clock this morning, we will start to hear the announcement from the college football playoff committee. The selection committee will announce who the top four teams are playing for the national championship in January. We'll sort that out for you here in just a matter of minutes. In fact, let's just, Drew, let's reserve the 10-15 segment for that. We'll kind of sort all of that out, figure out what Missouri is going to do in their bowl game. But most importantly, we will take a look at the college football playoff teams that are in play and then where we think they're going to go, what we think the committee is going to do, and what we think the committee should do. Those are two different things. What they will do and what I think they should do. I've had a really nice discussion with followers on Twitter today about this. I think the Twitter followers are very, uh, college football fans in general, they can get crazy and irrational, and I totally understand that. But when it comes to this selection, I felt like they're very intelligent. I think they have very good points on both sides. And I might not agree with you, but I understand your side of it. I will say this, though. I am tired of it. (laughs) I know that they they like to spark the debate, and it's apparently good for the sport that we all debate who the top four teams should be. But somebody's going to get left out here, and it's really not right. Uh, It's a bad system. It should have been a tournament a long time ago. In fact, Drew, where you're sitting, I was a producer of sports on a Sunday morning. I was a producer of Total Information AM on Sunday, and I used to sit right there with a former producer named Tim Klutzaritz, who went on to become, among other things, the news director at a terrific station down in Fort Myers, Florida area, where he remains. He's a very good talent in our business. Uh, But when we were producers here, we mapped out a bracket and this is in 1997, 98 of what it should look like. And this was way before they had anything, you know, they, they used to have media polls was how you determine the national championship. And then it became computers was how you did that with the BCS. And now it's a bunch of people getting into a suite uh, and trying to figure it out, trying to figure out these top four, how to squeeze five power five champions into four spots. It's impossible. It's ridiculous. So we came up with way back when a tournament of 16. And before you scoff at that, it would have made everybody a lot of money. And yes, I understand the kids have finals and they have, you don't want them to play multiple games. We'll get rid of the the cupcake games then. 
you know, the the the, the Chattanoogas and the that Alabama plays and all that stuff. Get rid of those and shorten the schedule a little bit and let's get down to business and play a regular season and then a tournament in the postseason, like oh, every other sport does everywhere. College football is the only one that doesn't know how to determine its champion. They used to just declare their own, the like, well, we're the champions. They're the champions. We're the champions. Nobody really could ever figure it out. And there was never a tournament. There were never, and now it's even more ridiculous. You can win your conference and not, and go undefeated and win your conference title game and not be considered for a national championship. And that could well happen today. So I'm going to tease that and just make sure you tune in here in about five minutes and we'll break it all down for you. I have some thoughts as to who these final four will be and what they should be. And I'll tell you the teams that will not be considered when the committee meets here today. They are coming up with their answer and they should have it in about an hour. We also have, if you're watching our live stream here on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and everything else, Facebook, uh, you'll see that I'm wearing a Billiken's vest. That is because I am calling the SLU women's game today against Ball State at Chaffetz Arena at 2 o'clock. I am wearing this following a Billiken's loss to Southern Illinois 101-62 yesterday at Banterra Center in Carbondale. A really, really rough loss for SLU beyond belief. It's not that SIU is bad, although they were bad when I saw them last. I called the game at Indiana State that they got absolutely smoked by the Sycamores, and I'm certain that Brian Mullins, their tough-minded, not only former guard for for the Salukis, but coach, got them together and said, never again. We're not playing like that ever again. We're playing tough. We're going to play gritty. We're going to move the ball on offense. We're going to rebound the basketball. We are going to play team basketball. Everything that SLU is not right now. SLU is completely discombobulated and out of sync. Uh, They barely beat Dartmouth about a week ago. Uh, They got beat, although they came roaring back. They lost to a good Utah State team, and now they've been put in their place by the Salukis. And Southern Illinois beat them 101-62, dropped 18 threes on them. We'll hear from Travis Ford about that. And Rebecca Tillett, the head coach of the Billikens women's team, at 10.30 today. Mizzou plays today. Uh, They'd like to hit more threes, that's for sure. They're taking on Wichita State at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Also, Illinois looked good yesterday. Uh, Illinois with a win. They beat Rutgers. You can't forget about how good Illinois basketball is. Could be, you know, they are ranked and I know they're maybe out of some people's minds because they're ranked a little low at 24, but only two teams in the big 10 are ranked. I'll remind you only two, the number one team in the nation, Purdue, who lost on Friday to Northwestern and Illinois. That's it. Was the only two that are ranked Purdue's one Illinois 24. Those rankings are about to change. Uh, But Illinois won their game, beating Rutgers yesterday. A good win on the road. Dominant win, 76-58. There were a lot of upsets yesterday. Number three, Marquette lost at Wisconsin, 75-64. Kentucky lost to UNC Wilmington. Duke lost to Georgia Tech. Duke lost back-to-back games this week to Arkansas and Georgia Tech. So there will be a shuffle in the top 25. It's very early. Personally, I went to the Indiana game on Friday, saw them beat Maryland. They looked really good. Uh, but they're going to have to get their guards together because their upcoming schedule is at Michigan, 
against Auburn and Atlanta, and then gulp Kansas on uh, December 16th, which I will be attending. Uh, Duke uh, and Kansas and Kentucky and Michigan State and all of these great programs, they should be fine come March, but there are going to be some things happening, some shuffles here and there as we go along. That's college basketball. And then there's the topic of baseball. Baseball's winter meetings begin today. Now, we will have heavy coverage starting tomorrow morning with reports from Nashville with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne. We have two reporters at Opryland, and they will be scanning that hotel like you wouldn't believe. If you want Cardinals coverage, there is really one place that has 24-hour, you tune in when things break, and that's KMOX Radio. And we will be all over it. Mike Claiborne's as good as anybody at getting information. Great conversationalist. You know he's going to be working that lobby today. Matt Pauley, outstanding host and reporter. We'll hear his interview with Sonny Gray coming up at 1145. But before that, we will be joined live by Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. He will join us from Nashville. Last week, he did not join us at the last moment. And now we know why. Because he was finalizing a deal with Sonny Gray. Uh, but we will hear the Sonny Gray interview, and before that, we'll talk to John Mosellock about what else he is up to down in Nashville. And believe me, he is up to some things. They, they need to add bullpen help, and I strongly believe that they need another starting pitcher to this rotation. Good rotations, fine. And Gray and Michaelis and Matt's coming back, and of course the two new acquisitions in Lynn and Gibson. But Matt's dealt with some injuries last year, and the Cardinals have to be careful here not to repeat last year. Adam Wainwright got hurt at the start of the year. They dipped into the depth. They got Jake Woodford to replace him, and it didn't go well. Woodford's no longer here. Hudson's no longer here. They didn't have enough depth to to account for any problems, and it bit them and bit them hard. They didn't have enough starters. The bullpen got overtaxed. The offense pressed. The defense fell apart. It was a bad year. They were 20 games under 500. It's not all the starting pitching's fault, but they have to learn their lesson and make sure they have the best rotation they possibly can, and I think they're going to go after another starter, preferably somebody to to create a one-two punch with Gray, whether that's via trade or free agency, we'll find out. We'll talk to John Mosellock about that a little bit. Blues lost to the Coyotes 4-1 to last night. Blues just can't gain any traction or consistency, but we will hear from them on that loss as well. Sports on a Sunday morning. So don't forget, college football discussion after this break. At 11.05, we'll do our NFL picks, but we're going to do them quickly. Because I have to, and we may actually preempt them because if college football has its final four, unless they dilly dally and like they do sometimes on ESPN, they drag it out. But if they come out of the gate firing with these are the four, we'll just go right into that discussion. We'll save our NFL stuff for later. It is sports on a Sunday morning sponsored by gray bar that sets the table for you. Big day. Big, big day. Back after this. Once again, from the Stiefel financial sports studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm hearing that somebody's, uh, I don't know, leaking on social media the, who the top four are. I don't see that. But if if that does come out, leaked out, it is going to be the college football playoff is going to be announced here at 11 o'clock. Um, here's what I think they're going to do, and here's what I think they should do. Let me start with the teams that I think should be not considered Ohio state should not be considered. Ohio state did not make its 
championship game in its own conference. We know why that is. They lost to Michigan in Ann Arbor, but it is what it is. They lost to Michigan. They only had two top 25 wins. That's not enough. Ohio State with one loss is out. The second team that should be out is Georgia. They should not be considered. And I know they were number one all year, and that seems unfathomable, but Georgia is the only one of the group that did not win its conference title game. Uh, They did not. They are the only ones. Michigan won, Washington won, Texas won, Florida State won, Alabama won. They all won their conference title games. So they are out. Georgia's out in my estimation. Unfortunate, but they had their opportunity and they didn't do it. They lost to Alabama. So that leaves you Michigan. They're in. They're a lock. They have nothing to worry about. They're the Big Ten champ. Washington, they're in. They're a lock. They're the Pac-12 champ. They went unbeaten. Good win for them, by the way. Really good win over Oregon. My gosh. Oregon looked like an absolute beast. And they beat Oregon straight up. They were nine, nine and a half point dogs. Beat them 34-31. The third team that I think will get in is, and I, I don't know that they are number three. I'll explain that later. But I think Alabama is going to get in. Alabama won the SEC title game. Alabama is the SEC champion. They beat Georgia. They came in now ranked eight in the CFP. So that'd be a big climb for them. But I do think they will get in at number four is going to be my prediction. So they will play Michigan. This is what I think is going to happen. Okay. The next one is the debate is Florida State or Texas. Now, Florida State won the ACC title. Florida State is undefeated. Florida State's 13-0. and They beat Louisville in the ACC title game 16-6. to They deserve to be in, in my estimation. They should be in the college football playoff. You can't tell, tell an undefeated Power 5 conference champion that you can't be in this party. However, the structure is such and the rules are such and the consideration is such that Florida State is at a disadvantage. And the, the team to blame is Georgia and Alabama. Georgia blew it. They, had they won, Florida State would have been fine. The fact that Alabama won... That opens the door to Alabama getting in, and it also opens the door to Texas getting in. And the reason for that is Texas beat Alabama this year. And the committee is going to weigh that very heavily. Now, it was early in the year, and Alabama is a different team now than they were then, but they lost to Texas. Florida State's also a different team than they were when they scorched LSU early in the year, and they're not as good now. And that's what I think is going to happen here. I could be wrong, but I think that Florida State will unfairly get boxed out because the committee will favor Texas and how they're playing now. They look great in the Big 12 championship. They beat Alabama, and they will justify that Alabama is in and Texas is in it, and they will arrange this that the two will potentially face each other in the championship game as a rematch. So what I'm predicting is that it'll be Michigan against Alabama, and Washington against Texas with a chance that Alabama could face Texas again in the championship game. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Florida State gets in because I don't think that you should take a conference champion undefeated and then keep them out because you think they're not as good because their quarterback is hurt and they'd be playing the backup at 100% at best. Their third-string quarterback played in the 
ACC game against Louisville. Completely overlooking the fact that Florida State's defense is darn good and held Louisville down considerably, a team that can score a lot, and that Florida State, again, ran the table and has been a good team all year. So, unfortunately, I think that from what I see from a lot of people's projections and feelings is that Texas should absolutely be in if Alabama's in. And I think the committee will take that way out and that'll be their reasoning for keeping Florida state out. It's not right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Florida state gets in and what would that mean? Unfortunately, I think that would mean that Texas would be out even though they beat Alabama. I don't think that they will keep an Alabama team out. If they do, I think that would be very surprising. I think it would be to some people very refreshing that the SEC bias doesn't exist anymore and that Alabama would be sitting out at five. But, you know, top five, five of the top 13 teams in the college football playoff ranking coming into this weekend were SEC teams. Five of them. Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Missouri, uh, and um, LSU. That's a considerable amount. So the, it just tells you, I know that there weren't a lot of great non-conference wins for the SEC, but the SEC gauntlet of schedule is valued very highly by this committee. I'm not telling you, this isn't my opinion. I'm just telling, I don't make the call here. I'm just telling you what I think their thinking will be. I ho- Again, I hope I'm wrong. And I, again, will say you should, they have to trash this whole thing, and I'm glad they're finally going to a 12-team playoff next year. There will be more griping next year of who got left out at 13 and 14 and didn't make the top 12, but it won't be as drastic as this, where you're taking an undefeated ACC champion in Florida State and potentially leaving them out. We'll see what happens. I know there are a lot of predictions flying around right now, and perhaps some things are starting to leak out. Sometimes it does, but we'll see. I, I want to wait till we get the official word from ESPN at the top. ESPN is taking over the SEC next year. I don't think that that it has anything to do with this. I, the reason I'm pointing it out is thank you, CBS, for all the things you did on, on the, the SEC on CBS. It was a wonderful uh, run watching those games on CBS, and it was great to see that final broadcast with Vernon Ludquist on there yesterday with the guys, Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. College football. So what does this leave Missouri? Well, it depends. I mean, if Texas is in the college football playoff, then my prediction of Mizzou playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl is dead. Uh, But if they are, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Missouri play a big brand. I saw a couple of predictions this morning. Projections had Missouri playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. That's great. If I were to read the tea leaves, I would say they may do an Ohio State-Oregon because both of those teams will be in the Big Ten starting next year, and that's a little bit of a preview. It kind of gets your gets the the wheels you know greased a little bit for that upcoming matchup down the road. And that Missouri playing Texas would be great for Missouri's brand to beat a big team like that to show, and a team, by the way, Texas, who will have a lot to prove one way or the other, whether they get into the playoff or not, that they're back. If Missouri beats them, that's a huge statement and would be fantastic. You want Missouri to play a big brand, whether it's Ohio State, Texas, Oregon, you know, give it to me, whatever, whatever. I, I, that's what I want Missouri to do. Missouri's in a real good position. By the way, I mentioned last week that Eli Drinkwitz was going to join us in this segment. I talked to him. They are practicing right now. So I said, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, don't even worry about it. You got more important things to do. He said, we have practice. And I said, go, go get it. 
So they are practicing. That's my look at what the college football playoff scenario is right now. And I got you. I, I understand all angles of this. Believe me, I get it. Those who are favoring Texas or Alabama or Florida State, the Georgia supporters, I don't have, I'm not with you. And I'm not with you, Ohio State, although I don't see very many. Um, but that's kind of where it is right now in college football. Uh, we're going to talk to Rebecca Tillett, the head coach of the St. Louis Billikens. The women's team plays at 2 o'clock. We're going to hear from Travis Ford on their loss to Southern Illinois. We're going to hear from the Blues on their loss to the Coyotes. We'll do NFL picks. We'll get the official word on the college football playoff. We have John Mosellock. We have Sonny Gray. We have a big show. From here until noon, it's 1029 back after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the show. Good discussion there on the college football playoff and uh, your responses. I'll read some of them on Twitter and on our comments on our stream right now. But joining us, talk a little college basketball. And we have a game with them at 2 o'clock today. St. Louis University women's coach Rebecca Tillett. Our visit with the Billikens coaches, sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri. And good morning, coach. How are you doing? Good morning, Tom. I'm great. Really looking forward to this bounce-back opportunity for our team. Absolutely. You take on Ball State today. It's a 2 o'clock tip-off. The Billikens are 4-4 four and four on the season. Let's go in reverse and talk about Friday's game at Wichita State. After beating UIC 79-75, you went to Wichita State and lost 78-59. What did you see in that contest? Yeah, against Wichita State, you know, there's things you have to do really, really well on the road to be successful. And a few of those things we didn't do well. We didn't, you know, get to the line as often as we usually do. Um, and they came out and kind of threw the first punch. And that's something you have to learn on the road too, right? And people are in their own gym and they knock down their first three and they gain a little confidence in the moment. So I think our team learned a lot. We did some uh, – 
good film review, some team building activities between now and then, and then I think our team will rise to the level of competition today with Ball State. A week ago, you played UIC. I mentioned you beat them 79-75. In that game, Peyton Kennedy went 12 for 12 from the floor. I don't know that I've seen that anywhere. In fact, it hasn't happened in the college game this year in the country, and it hasn't happened in SLU history. What an unbelievable day. Such an accomplishment, and, you know, she and I had a conversation after and said, that that might stand a really long time, right? Like, when you break records, you know eventually somebody will break it, but that one could stand for a really long time. Yeah, that's amazing stuff. It really is. And before that, as we continue to go in reverse here, that was good. I don't want to overlook anything else in that. Uh, I should mention you didn't have Julia Martinez in that game. How is she doing? She's healing, uh, coming back soon. Really, really excited. She's leading in many, many ways, and Billiken fans will see her very soon. Before that, you went to Hawaii. How did that trip go? You opened up with the win against Chaminade and then a couple of tough customers in Wake Forest and BYU. You dropped both of those. Uh, how did you feel about those games? Yeah, but I think some of it is, you know, the non-conference, right? You've got to learn what your team needs to learn for conference play. And so Wake Forest um, certainly taught us a lot. Uh, in terms of the attacks they they went you know made against us specifically, and then BYU was our first game without Julia and and Wake Forest. Part of the game was figuring out if she could go in or not go in, and you know that causes disruption to a team. And how you learn how to handle that in the moment. BYU has the best rebounder in the country, so that gave us an opportunity to prepare for her. And we actually had some battles going on of rebounds per minute that we're going to continue to track that young woman and we're battling against her and in our own right uh, in terms of our team. So I think both of those games taught us a lot in terms of preparation for A-10 and NCAA tournament play. I've had two of your games so far, so I'm going to try to go 3-0 and today as I had your game against Missouri and Missouri State. You won them both. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, you went to Hawaii and went one and two there uh, and lost to Wichita State. Before that game against Wichita State, your previous three losses, you scored 60, weirdly, actually, you scored 66 points in each of those games. It's just kind of one of those odd things. But my point is that uh, you gave up, uh, you scored just 59 against Wichita State. When you face a, a, an adverse situation, are they finding ways to. I don't know, stick a, uh, you know, put a stick in, in your engine uh, and just try to slow you down offensively. Has that been the common thread? Has there been a common thread in those losses about your offense? Yeah, I think there's a common thread in when our defensive confidence gets knocked, that that can also influence our offense. And, you know, so many coaches talk about if we can get our defense where we want it to be, then it can fuel the offense and, our offense on, you know, an average day is, is really, really dangerous to our opponent. So I think as we figure out the improvements to our defense, it's also going to prevent those nights when maybe it feels like our offense is not as high octane. Well, we'll talk it over, you and I will, before the game today, which gets going at 2 o'clock, so that means our pregame is at one forty-five. Before we go, uh, if you would, give us a little preview of Ball State. You and I will go at a little more in-depth, I think, before the game when we do our pregame interview. But tell us about Ball State and what you're up against today. Yeah, this is a really good team. Really good team um, and really fun team to watch. Similar style to Drake for those fans that were in attendance for that first game. Um, so there's a lot of preparation and hopefully, hopefully learning that we took place for us against Drake that will better prepare us for Ball State. They have a three-point shooter that's absolutely prolific, and as a group, as a team, they shoot the ball really well. 
Um, so it's going to be fun prep, and hopefully both offenses, you know, are showing what they can do, and we're finding ways to limit theirs. One more thing, if I may, and that is that the Cardinals aren't playing, the Blues aren't playing, City's not playing, the Battlehawks aren't playing, the Billiken men aren't playing. You are the show in this town right now, right here and now, and I've been to these Sunday games, and I'm going to do it again today. It On these Sunday afternoons, for whatever reason, I don't know what the, the special thing is, probably because it's a weekend, but it is the place to be. I mean, you have great crowds. The Mizzou crowd was awesome. But an added thing is that you open up the court to everybody after the game. They can come down, and the kids and adults, for that matter, get autographs from your players. I just think that's a really great atmosphere. Really appreciate you noticing that, Tom, and and sharing it with the listeners. You know, we want to be a community team, right? We want to give back to the community. We had a great clinic, uh, free clinic a couple weeks ago, um, and just want to continue to meet everybody and, these women are fierce, and they are fun. And when the stands are packed, we are an even more dangerous team. So I hope we see everybody here today. Well, looking forward to seeing you. I'll be over there in a few hours, and we'll catch up as the Billikens take on Ball State today at 2 o'clock on KMOX. We appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, Tom. See you soon. See you then. Rebecca Tillett with us, our conversations with the coaches. Again, sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri, which brings to mind Travis Ford. So on the downside of what's happening at St. Louis University, that was a tough one yesterday. Now, basketball, there is no forgiveness, and nobody can sit around. There's not much time to sit around and pout. you got to get right back at it. And I thought, hearing this interview yesterday on KMOX, that Travis Ford handled this as well as he possibly could. Uh, the Billikens lose this game 101-62 to Southern Illinois. Here is Coach Ford with our broadcast crew. Yeah, um, we were just physically manhandled, to be honest with you. On both ends, we were probably more physically manhandled on the offensive end than we were even the defensive end. Defensive end, they were just hot. I mean, we made mistakes, but um, but offensively, they were just so physical with us. We couldn't get around anybody, and we gave in to it. Uh, we had, you know, we just didn't have much competitiveness when they, when they were physical, we kind of retreated rather than have some fight to us. And that's been an issue. Um, but you know, I thought when Mike and Larry went down, we kind of gave in a little bit, uh, rather, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and we just kind of gave into it. So give them credit. Um, we're a wounded basketball team right now. Very, very wounded. And I'm not just talking about a load of injuries. I'm just talking about we've got to get better. We've got to be hungrier, have a little bit more grit to us than what we have uh, leadership-wise, play-wise. Uh, and I've got to do a better job of figuring out how to get the best out of this group, this team, and how we can um, compete at a better level, just stay in the game and give ourselves a chance. Looked like, I guess they, we were down 15 or so. Then we got it to eight and had the ball and looked like we were in pretty good shape, and then they were able to turn us over a couple of times and uh, get it, it back. But we looked like we were at an opportunity right there. Yeah, you know, we, we have done so much in the last three days to try to emphasize toughness because we should, you know, one thing we've seen issues, obviously, we've shown our lack of toughness through rebounding, through defense of toughness, uh, under, especially under the three-point line. Obviously, they get hot tonight, and we've been to defending the three well, but give them credit. We've been, I thought, lacking toughness in 
in our offensive execution as far as attention to detail. We get a lot of guys that break things down, but we're not a blessed one-on-one team, so we we got to use each other. But we sh- and the, but the, maybe the worst thing that's keeping us from staying in games or making a run is we can't get a 50-50 ball. Yeah, can't, uh, it, we'll get a big miss and we don't come up with it. It's over and over again. Tipped out, and, they and, get it, and well, it's just not. And I've yeah. and I apologize to our team for my. I said I haven't done a very good job of implementing my personality. I can't, you know, you know, we have too many excuses when things aren't going our well. Rather than all right, uh, let's grit our teeth and figure it out. It is what it is, and let's figure this out. Let's have some fight in us, um, and uh, we don't quite have that personality yet that we need to have. But these 50-50 balls and this rebound, you know, are really causing us problems. And the lack of go, the lack of being able to run our offense is bother. We, we we're not even able to run our offense, and I mean, I'm sure it looks like we and, and it is. I tell you, it looks like we don't know what we're doing offensively because we can't get in. They we're physically being taken out of it, and we've got to find some answers. We've got to find some answers, and we got to find the right people that we feel like we can go to war with. You know, sometimes the stage is just too big. You know, this, you know, sometimes the stage just, I, you know, I've told them I've been here, I've been, I've played, and I understand what a big stage looks like and how you have to respond to that. Um, we need guys that are willing to rise to the stage that we're at um, and compete at the level that you need to compete at to give yourselves a chance. And uh, we're just, we're obviously far from that right now. Yeah, and then you see a couple of guys, Kellen Thames with your both of your point guards down, and Kellen comes in, kind of fills that breach. He gets rebounds. Uh, and, and George Churchich, who, you know, he's just, he's a kid. He's just, he's trying to figure it out, but he comes to play. But yeah. it's probably not fair to ask a kid like that to come in and be the guy. No, but he was the only one that was trying. Yeah. I only had two threes, but he had, like, two deflections on two. I mean, he was steals. the only one, like, we were trying to get other guys to shoot. He was the only guy who would rise up and take a shot. Yeah. yeah. You but know, you told me this summer how tough he was. He's a tough player, definitely a tough player. Um, you know, and he, he can score a little bit, uh, just like anybody else, though. we got to get better defensively, but that's neither. He can be any worse than what we got right now. But uh, I thought Kellen, I, I, you know, Kellen Thames gives you some, de- some winning minutes. Uh, you know, Kellen Thames, uh, I like. I, I, yeah. You can go to war with Kellen. Are you in a position you can we can ask or you can answer about injuries to Michael Meadows and Larry Hughes? Do we know anything yet? Um, we know Mike Meadows has been actually taken to the hospital, transported to the hospital, uh, and I don't. Larry, I think they said it was his hip, but he was in the locker room sitting with the team and everything. Um, so they didn't give me an update on him. So I assume he's okay. I, I assume, you know. But uh, they did tell me about Mike Meadows. But I think it was Larry's hip um, from that standpoint. Well, last year you ran through the Valley. I declared us Valley champions. This year it's a little bit – this year it's a little tougher. And speaking of tough, going to Drake uh, yeah, next it week. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. No. Coach, thanks so much for the visit. We'll see you in Des Moines. All right, there's Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. with Travis Ford last night. So Des Moines is not going to be easy either. They're playing Drake, one of the teams that was picked to be near the top or at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference. So tough deal there. He mentioned Mike Meadows, who was really hurting 
uh, in that game, was taken out of the game, mentioned he was uh, brought to a hospital for evaluation. We will have an update on that during the women's game. I'll give you a complete update on what the men's team is up to health-wise and looking forward. But tough times here for this Billikens team. I mean, when they're dealing with injuries to Sincere Parker and Larry Hughes and Mike Meadows and on and on it goes. Plus, you know, they're not getting great offense from almost anywhere. That is going to be difficult. And if they're not buying in defensively, that is going to be a problem. I agree with him on Kellen Thames. I, I'm buying stock in Kellen Thames. In fact, that stock price has probably gone up. 10 points, 11 rebounds. That kid can play. Uh, I, I really like the hardworking guys like Dalger. Uh, he mentioned some others in there. But, you know, this is a team that's got to come together collectively. They have a lot of time still to get it right. But I'm afraid the mix of talent right now with not everybody healthy is a real problem for this slew team. I, I hope that they can figure it out. Uh, They've got a game at Drake on Wednesday night. They'll play Hofstra and Louisiana Tech on back-to-back Saturdays. Then they go to NC State to wrap up this month of December before the big schedule begins, and that is the A-10. And right out of the gate, they'll play Loyola on January 3rd. There's a lot of time for SLU to get it right and get healthy, but uh, so far it has been a tough go for Travis Ford's team. We will take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk a little blues, our blues breakdown with coach Craig Berube and some players. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, get ready. It is the college football playoff selection. We'll have some NFL picks. We have John Moselock. We have Sonny Gray sports on a Sunday morning continues right after this. Tom Ackerman. Let's turn things over to Blues coach Craig Berube after a 4-1 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. We're a little slow reacting, and we didn't uh, have some good sticks on some plays. Cost us two goals. Just talking about the third goal there. And... First goal, sticks, you know, uh, made a play of the slot. You know, we didn't have coverage there. Well, we had people there, but didn't have good sticks, not tight enough. And... Um, you know, the third goal, we broke the play up, but I went to the guy and he shot. I mean, was, that's kind of a, I thought we defended it the right way. Got a kind of a bad bounce on it, but, you know, we didn't come out, you know, we didn't come out skating good enough, kill plays. And they had to puck too, puck too much in the first period. Um, I thought we recovered and played two good periods, but got to find a way to score more goals. What would you like about the second and third there? Well, we just had pressure on them. We had we were hungrier, skating, on pucks, had opportunities. We didn't finish. I know you, you can you obviously take those two periods, but when you're down three nothing, does it come at a maybe a lessened? Uh, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, we're, we're here to win the game, yeah. and um, you know, we, like I said, we you know we we started slow. All right, that's all Craig Berube had to say to the media in his visit right there outside the Blues dressing room. The Blues lose the game 4-1. to one. Here's the good news. The Blues don't play the Coyotes again the rest of the season. <laughs> they played them four times in 23 games. They split those four, but they didn't look really that great in most of those four. They, they won a game 2-1 to one at Enterprise Center, but they didn't really look good on special teams, particularly on the power play. Um, but they lose this game four to one to the Coyotes. The Coyotes have won four in a row. Get this. They have beaten in this winning streak, Colorado, Tampa Bay, Vegas, and now the blues. 
Folks, those are your last four Stanley Cup champions. Colorado, Tampa Bay, Vegas, and the Blues have all won the Stanley Cup in the last four years. And Arizona's beaten them all. Brandon Saad scored in the third period. That was the only goal for the Blues. They had won four of six. Joel Hofer was in net. He made 18 stops. It was a pretty easy win for the Coyotes over the Blues. And here is defenseman Tori Krug. Explain how things went there. Yeah, I mean, another game where we got to uh, stop the momentum before it ends up as you know three goals and like it did tonight. So uh, we have about ten minutes there of, of bad hockey, ten fifteen minutes of okay hockey, and thirty five minutes of good, but it's not good enough. But there's certain issues you were seeing popping up in the first period there. Well, it's just you know better sticks, um, understanding that you know I had a couple plays there where. You feel like you're there and you're poke checking the puck, but you're not really winning the battle completely. And all of a sudden, it ends up in the back of your net. So um, I think just all around being heavier on our sticks and being ready to go. First goal? Or... Uh, I was talking that one would be the third goal. Um, kind of lazy rush against. And I was there. I just <laughs> swatted it a couple times and ended up in the back of the net. But you got to make those plays, even the first one. Um, we have guys in the right areas, but. Um, you got to be ready to go and, and win the puck battles. You mentioned about stopping momentum, and that's kind of been something that happened a lot this year. It was one nothing, two nothing. Have you been able to, to pinpoint kind of why that happens? Uh, if we were able to, it, it wouldn't keep happening. So we got to figure it out, especially being a veteran team and, and having uh, the older guys that we do. Um, got to find a way. Uh, obviously, 20, what, 22 games into the season now. Um, you got to find a way, otherwise it's going to keep spiraling, and um, that's how you, you end up losing hockey games because you're, you're too far to come back from behind. So um, we'll figure it out, and, and hopefully we'll clamp down and uh, we'll keep ourselves in it. Obviously, we had a chance at the end tonight, but um, couldn't come through. Good answer there at the end from Tori Krug, I thought, on they have a veteran group. they got to figure out how to not let these games get away from them early. They actually looked like they had trimmed it to 3-2, to two with 1.43 to go, but they had an official review that showed a Jake Neighbors shot hit the crossbar, didn't cross the goal line. But still, it's just too late. I mean, you're scrambling, you're trying to make a game, you're down 3-1, to one. at the end they lose this game 4-1. to one. Coyotes killed all three penalties. They have not given up a goal in 22 of the opponent's last 24 chances on the power play, and a terrific job by the Coyotes. They win it 4-1 to one in Tempe, Arizona against the St. Louis Blues. Here's Colton Pareko, just a little bit more from the Blues, who are trying to find a way here. Yeah, um, uh, not, not the first that we won, obviously, um, with them getting three there. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, came in in the first period, knew that was behind us. I thought we did a good job in the second and third, obviously responding. But, um, obviously, their goal had made some good saves. and uh, Tough to – just tough. I think we – like I said, we did a good job throwing pucks in the net, getting opportunities and stuff, but uh, obviously tough to come back after three. What were some of the issues you saw in the first period? I don't know. I haven't really looked, I guess, at it. Uh, in general, I, mean, I know I was out there for the penalty kill goal and um, kind of an opportunity for me to, I guess, have a stick on puck. and should have had, should have been there for me. I think that should have been mine, uh, my play. But um, other than that, I think just as a group, I think we got to be ready and uh, make sure that we're, we're just communicating and, um, just getting in the spots that we need to be in. Just Blues outshot the Coyotes 17-7 to in the second period, but it was the first period that really did them in. The Blues gave up three goals in the first period. That game was basically over by then. 
So they've got to find a way to play a full 60 minutes. They are up and down, not only game by game, but period by period, I feel. Uh, The Blues right now in the Central Division in the Western Conference have dropped into fifth place. Arizona jumps over them. They have 26 points to the Blues, 25. Colorado, Dallas, and Winnipeg lead that division. They are the top three teams in the division. But if the wild card ended today, the Blues would be one of those. They have 25 points. They would be the number two wild card out of the Western Conference. Long way to go for sure. A ways to go on this show. We have another hour and a big one coming up right after the news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 